Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. I'm flying solo today. I'm going to do my best Colin Cowherd impression, just ramble on for however many minutes I feel. Um, to talk about this 20 to 17 Vikings win. They did it again. I think every week we 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 rejoin on a on a Sunday after after a Vikings game and we think, man, they can't just keep doing this, man. They they can't keep winning like this. Yet they keep winning like this. A 20 to 17 victory over the Commanders. But this one didn't feel like like the other games from this season. Okay? I, I get it. There, there were times throughout this game that the Vikings offense looked bad. There were times throughout this game that you kind of thought, okay, this nothing is going their way. Uh, but it wasn't as self-inflicted as I feel like some of the other close wins have been this year. And, uh, you know, just kind of go on this ride as, as I talk about this. First drive of the game, Vikings come in. They, 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 they go right down the field, nine plays, 78 yards. Touchdown. They go up 7-0. From there on out, the offense really, really struggled. But the defense was very, very, very good. You know, that they they hold the Washington Commanders to three points in, in, in the first quarter. And then it, it gets kind of wonky. You know, the, the only play, actually, it was it was three points the, in the entire first half. Um, seven to three at halftime. And, and then you you go through the rest of the game. And you look at how how did the how did Washington have a lead at any point? It's because the Vikings got about as unlucky as 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 possible through from the, about the third quarter on and, and until they really started to turn things around. And here's what I'm talking about: first drive of the second half for for, for the Commanders. Again, Vikings dominant throughout the first half, seven to three. Offense left a lot to be desired, but the defense stepped up time and time again, holding Washington to basically nothing, you know, in the offensive column. So seven to three at halftime, the commanders take a 10, seven lead because the referee tackles Cam Bynum in the secondary Taylor Heineke on the first drive in the second half. There was one of the most ill-advised passes I've seen, you know, him throw. And, and we'll get back to that because eventually it did come back to bite him. Some of these gun slinging throw mentalities, 
throws just an egregious ball downfield into triple coverage. Cam Bynum has a beat on the ball and the official, it would look, it was an accident. It wasn't on purpose. There are some people on Twitter saying the official ran into Cam Bynum on purpose. He did not. Um, it was an accident, but the official just ear holes Cam Bynum. Bynum goes to the floor. Curtis Samuel catches the ball, falls into the end zone for a 49-yard touchdown. So that's part of the unluckiness I'm talking about, all right? Vikings are now trailing 10-7 at that point because the official turned what was maybe going to be a Cam Bynum interception into a Curtis Samuel touchdown. So the Vikings, at, at, when that happens, you, you think, uh-oh, okay. Is this going to be one of those games where, where nothing is going their way? You know, the Vikings had two more possessions after that. Punt, punt, offense looked terrible. Washington marches right back down the field late in the third quarter to take a 17-7 lead. They actually take that lead as the fourth quarter begins. And at that point, you're just thinking like, okay, everything that ha can go wrong has gone wrong. The Vikings weren't playing that bad. Sands the offense kind of going to sleep for about two and a half quarters. But other than that, like it's not as if they were getting dominated by the commanders. It's not like while the offense couldn't get anything going, the defense was holding their own yet. The Vikings trailed early in the fourth quarter, 17, seven. And then they still mounted this comeback. Um, we'll, we'll touch more on Kirk cousins later, but when the Vikings absolutely needed to have Kirk cousins, he, he came through again, when they were trailing by 10, as the fourth quarter began, Kirk cousins, marched them down the field for a field goal. Vikings came up with a big interception. Then Kirk Cousins punched it into the end zone for a touchdown two plays later. The game's tied 17 at 17 at that point. And here's what, like I said, we'll get back to Kirk Cousins later. He deserves all the praise in the world. We'll get back to some of the, the defensive players later. They deserve a, a, a ton of praise today for, for how they were able to perform. But with the score tied 17-7, the Vikings proved once again that they are a team that Kevin O'Connell likes to use the word situational masters. The Vikings can go ahead and call themselves situational masters at this point. They get the ball back with about six minutes left. The Vikings defense, after scoring a touchdown to tie the game, the Vikings defense forced a three and out. The Vikings get the ball back with about six minutes to go. They go right down the field, a couple of big plays, big throws from Kirk Cousins hanging in. TJ Hawkinson, spectacular today. They get all the way into field goal range, and, and the two-minute warning hits. Kirk Cousins throws an incomplete pass to Justin Jefferson, fourth and goal. About 152 left in the game. The Vikings are going to kick a field goal and trust their defense to kind of just play defense. They're going to be up by three at that point. Um, Kevin O'Connell was, was content to do that. Greg Joseph nails the 22-yard field goal at, on fourth and goal, and there is a penalty. So after that happens, John Ridgeway on the commanders, a defensive tackle, a reserve defensive tackle, decides that, while rushing this kick that he basically wasn't going to block. It was a 22-yard attempt, a chip shot. He runs into the long snapper, Andrew DePaula, and the, and the Vikings get a new set of downs. From there on out, you saw the situational masters take over. Dalvin Cook 
rushed up the ta- off the right side for negative two yards. He did it on purpose. This is stuff the Vikings work on. They clearly wanted to kill the clock in this standpoint. Rush up the middle, negative two yards. Second and goal. Rush up the middle, negative two yards. They use their fight. Washington has no timeouts at that point. Third and goal. Kirk Cousins kind of just takes a snap, loses four yards. The Vikings are able to bleed the clock all the way to 16 seconds left. They kick a field goal with 12 seconds left. And for good measure, to, to just compare and contrast the situational masters, how the Vikings are very, very good in these situational moments of the game and how the commanders proved to be very, very bad in these big pivotal moments of the game. When the Vikings needed to, to kill the clock, they were able to do that. It was clearly wrapped. Dalvin Cook wasn't going into the end zone. He wasn't even trying to score. He was trying to gain some yards or lose some yards and just keep the ball in hand so the Vikings could t- continue to bleed the clock dry. On the other hand, Washington, and even at the end of the game, the final play of the game, instead of throwing for the a sideline pass where they can you know, give themselves a couple kicks at the can with 12 seconds left, Antonio Gibson gets tackled and bounds game over. So while it's not like the commanders were going to pull off one of those miraculous lateral plays and score a touchdown when they got the ball at their own 25, it was just another example of like this team does not know how to play and how to close in close games. And the Vikings do the difference in this, in this football game or the difference from Washington getting a chance to tie this football game is John Ridgeway, a, a backup defensive tackle committing an unnecessary roughness penalty on a field goal that the Washington commanders were not going to block. He commits that penalty. And instead of the commanders getting the ball back with about one minute in 50 seconds for Taylor Heineke to go downfield and try and add to his legacy as, as this backup quarterback who comes in and wins football games for the commanders. They allow the Vikings to bleed the clock dry essentially. And then the game's over. So look, I, I get it. Can the Vikings keep winning like this at, at some point? No, it, at some point it's going to come back to bite them. But at, at the same time, I look at this team now situationally, they are phenomenal. They're outstanding. And, and the, the margin for error in, in, in the NFL is razor thin. Again, I've talked about this on this podcast so many times. We've had guests come on and talk about it. At a certain point, you're going to lose games in the NFL if you continue to play them this close, you know, down to the wire. But what the Vikings deserve 100% credit for is that when these moments come up throughout games, they execute to perfection. They're almost perfect in, in, in these scenarios down the stretch, and it proved to be the case again today. Again, we'll get more into Kirk Cousins' performance later, later in the show. We'll get more into how the defense was great today. Um, but what, what impressed me the most about this team today, once again, is just how when they needed to make plays and when they needed to be perfect down the stretch, they were. The Vikings are 7-1. and one. They're seven and one. They lead the NFC North. They're running away with the North, frankly, honestly, at this point. I don't think it's something any of us saw coming at the beginning of the season. But if you have been paying attention for the past month or so, this this division has been the Vikings for a while. Only continued to prove that be that case today. Green Bay, egregious loss to the Detroit Lions. Three and six left for dead. Aaron Rodgers, 
is a shell of himself at this point. I get it. He doesn't have anyone to throw to. He's covered up a lot of the mismanagement in Green Bay for a long time, but it's very clear he doesn't have it right now, or maybe any more at all. They're three and six. They're not a threat. Honestly, the Chicago Bears at three and six are a bigger threat to the Vikings right now. Justin Fields is starting to put it together. He was very, very good today in, in, a, in a down to the wire loss to the Miami Dolphins. And then Detroit's two and six. Good morale boat boost for them beating the Green Bay Packers. They have no chance in this division. I go through that list of teams to say the Vikings at seven and one after this win over the Commanders are going to run away with the division. They lead by four and a half at this point. Uh, I wrote it in the Pioneer Press last week. They they should have this thing wrapped up bank Thanksgiving. They might have it wrapped up before Thanksgiving at this point. Um, it, it's not a matter of are they going to win the NFC North. It's going to be by how much are they going to win the NFC North by at this point. Um, we we will see kind of how good the Vikings are, the schedule. They will be tested here coming down the stretch. Uh, they have a game against the Bills next week that, that everyone kind of has circled on the calendar. The Bills lost to the Jets this week, so that one loses a little bit of its luster. But still a, a, a big matchup next week, a big test for the Vikings. And then they have the Cowboys two weeks from now and the Patriots on Thanksgiving. I think in the next three weeks we'll find out who this team really is. But right now they're 7-1. and one. Right now, they have just earned another impressive victory, 20-17 to 17 over the Washington Commanders. When we come back, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of, of this victory. Like I said, tons of superlatives to go around. Um, Kirk Cousins, man, that guy continues to win me over. I, I've never been a big Kirk Cousins guy, but he was great again today when he needed to be. Um, defense stepped up. Um, all of that we'll get into when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, flying solo today to talk about the Vikings' 20-17 to win over the Washington Commanders. Segment one, we broke down kind of the game as a whole, took you through almost a play-by-play, really focused in on the situational masters that are the Minnesota Vikings. They continue to be perfect in these moments when they need to be. Right now, we got to talk about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been great. He's been outstanding. The stats might not say it. He admitted last week, you know, heading into this matchup against the Commanders, that he's had better seven-game stretches statistically to start his career. He's not super content with the way he's been playing and producing in this offense. But what I think he should be more than content with is that when he has needed to be at his best, when he, when the Vikings have absolutely needed Kirk Cousins to make plays, whether it be in that come from behind victory over the Detroit Lions a month ago, the come from behind victory over the New Orleans Saints in London, the come from behind victory against the Chicago Bears in a game the Vikings kept too close for too long, even you know the the Vikings win over third string quarterback in, in, against the Miami Dolphins. Last week, you know, against the Arizona Cardinals, Kirk Cousins has come through time and time and time and time again when the Vikings have needed him to. And that was his biggest problem to to this point in in his tenure with the Vikings in his career. He's been a 500 quarterback largely because he's folded like a a lawn chair when he's needed to be great. This game was a perfect microcosm of the season for Kirk Cousins. Maybe not even a microcosm because every week, every week it's the same thing with him. He... Gives you stretches early in the game where you're like, wow, this is great. He gives you stretches midway through the game where you're like, this is not so great. 
what is happening. And consistently, he's given you stretches towards the end of the game where he, he's been nearly perfect when he's needed to be. It was the same thing today. Vikings come out and they punch the commanders in the mouth to go up 7-0. <clears throat> Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins just marched their way down the field. And, and what I loved about the first touchdown of the game was that Kirk gave Justin Jefferson a chance and Justin Jefferson made sure it was a good decision from Kirk Cousins. Nine-yard touchdown, 50-50 ball in the back of the end zone. Kirk Cousins not afraid to throw it. It's something people have been begging him to do throughout his tenure with the Vikings. Just throw it. You have Justin Jefferson. He might be their best receiver in the league. Just throw him that ball. Kirk Cousins has been averse to doing that. He's been very, very risk-averse throughout his career. You're starting to see as he grows more comfortable in this offense, as he leads more of these comeback drives, he's getting comfortable throwing those 50-50 balls. And he did that on the, on the opening drive of the game. Nine-yard touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson. What I was most impressed with, with, with Kirk Cousins, besides his comeback, you know, the comeback speaks for itself. Kirk Cousins continues to throw these 50-50 balls. And, and, and that's something that, that's been something I've really, really wanted from him for all these years, especially, you know, when he had digs, when he had feeling in his prime. It was, I'm not really throwing those, those jump balls. I'm not giving my guys a chance. I'm trusting my reads. And if the guy's not open, then I'm saying no. That was an example of it on the opening drive of the game. Kirk Cousins giving Justin Jefferson a chance. I teased to it. What impressed me most, he gave Justin Jefferson another chance towards the end of the first half, a jump ball in the end zone from the Washington 26. It goes for an interception. The Vikings don't get any points on that play. In the past, you would have seen Kirk Cousins kind of shut down after that, you know, say, okay, you know, I threw a 50-50 ball. didn't go, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Um, That's not where my read took me. That play was covered. Justin Jefferson was covered on that play at the end of the, the first half. Kirk Cousins threw it anyway. It was a it was a jump ball. JJ got a little bit interfered with, uh, no flag, and it, just a good play by the by the Washington defender Benjamin St. Juice pops it up in the air, and then one of his teammates swoops in to make the interception. That's a fine throw to me. I know it goes in in the books as a, as an interception, but what impressed me was how Kirk was able to respond after that. He didn't go into a shell. He wasn't afraid to take shots downfield. A lot of the time that Kirk Cousins and the offense looked stagnant today was because the offensive line had maybe their worst day in the last month or two. Um, largely because the commanders are dominant up front. Jonathan Allen, spectacular. Deron Payne, spectacular. Um, rough day for the guards, especially at Ingram. But Kirk Cousins hung in. He 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 took a beating. And, and regardless of throwing that, that interception that might have tilted him in the past, he stepped up in the second half. He was great. The offense, the first two possessions of the second half for the the offense, nothing going. A six-play drive that ends in a punt. A three and out that obviously ends in a punt. But when the Vikings were down by 10, like I talked about in segment one, Kirk Cousins got the ball back and let a nine-play, 68-yard drive down the field when the Vikings absolutely had to have it at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And they scored points. They kicked a field goal. They couldn't get in the end zone, but they kicked a field goal. They made it a one-score game. The best play on that drive, a 47-yard dime to Justin Jefferson up the left sideline. Remember what I said in the past. 
Kirk Cousins throws a pick on a 50-50 ball, he's maybe not throwing that that way again. He's not taking shots downfield. Um, he's limiting his his risk by taking the underneath, taking the check down to Dalvin Cook, throwing to C.J. Ham like he's done so many times, and people have been frustrated by that. Well, third and seven from the Vikings 41. The Vikings need to play. They haven't done anything on offense since the opening drive of the game. And Kirk Cousins hangs in, takes a vicious shot to the chest, and, and delivers just a perfect ball to Justin Jefferson. 47 yards down to the 12-yard line. Vikings are in business. Drive stalls. Vikings kick a 25-yard field goal. Down seven. Next possession. Taylor Heineke has to, you know developed this mo- you know this moniker of of almost uh, you know this aura of as as of a, of a gunslinger in the league, which isn't what you probably want to be as a backup quarterback. You probably want to just be safe, protect the ball. Uh, but he is what he is. He's he, he's he's unapologetically himself, and, and he's going to take these risks. And like you saw at the beginning of the second half, it's sometimes it's going to work. The the referee is going to run into a defensive player down the field, and it's going to go for a touchdown. Or he's going to take a risk, and it's going to end up in the arms of Harrison Smith, which is what happened. Vikings down seven. Taylor Heineke throws a pick. Vikings in business. From the Washington 12-yard line, Kirk Cousins steps up once again. Incomplete pass on first down. Next play, wheel route to Dalvin Cook. Perfect ball placement. Phenomenal one-handed grab by Dalvin Cook in in the back of the end zone. Boom. Tie game. So you look at that in roughly, well, because this drive took about three and a half minutes. Taylor Heineke threw the egregious pick. Kirk Cousins throws the wheel route touchdown to Dalvin Cook. From the time the Vikings trail by 10 to the time the Vikings tie the game, seven minutes-ish of game time, take away from the clock. Kirk Cousins, huge, tremendous in those situations. And then he needed to be tremendous again. He was Vikings force a three and out, get the ball back with six minutes and 12 seconds to go. Kirk Cousins leads them right down the field. They basically bleed the clock dry. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, the Vikings kicked a field goal to take the lead with about two minutes left and Washington shot themselves in the foot with an egregious unnecessary roughness call. Kirk Cousins, Steps back under center, kills the final two two minutes off the clock, leaves about 12 seconds left on the clock. Greg Joseph makes the game-winning field goal. All the play-by-play, I'm, I'm done talking about that. Let's just talk about Kirk Cousins in the abstract right now. Like I said, in the past, Kirk Cousins has become has, has been someone that makes you want to pull your hair out because whether it's interior pass rush up the middle or one mistake that he can't get out of his head. He just shuts down in games. He's done it in the past. He's done it for the past three and a half years. That's why Vikings fans basically every single off season are looking, mining the you know draft boards or looking at the free agent pool for which quarterbacks can replace Kirk Cousins. I'll admit it. I was never a big Kirk Cousins guy, but I will say this right now. He's won me over this year. I, I don't. How long is this going to last? I don't know. But we gotta we we gotta be honest with ourselves here. With how quarterback play has kind of transpired in the NFL this year, 
you can do a hell of a lot worse than Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And for everyone that was calling for Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis in the draft or whatever free agent that, that existed this off season that, that they were just imploring the Vikings to look elsewhere. The Vikings are not seven and one. If anyone except for Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. It, that was attainable this off season. Obviously put Patrick Mahomes on this team. They're probably seven and one put Josh Allen. I don't know. He wasn't very good today. Um, like we said, razor thin margin of error, razor thin in the NFL. What, what Kirk Cousins deserves credit for is being so spectacular down the stretching games this, this season. Like I said, he's won me over because of it. He has me believing in this team that I did not believe had a chance in, in, in the NFC. Suddenly I look at this team at seven and one in, in a flat NFC where you, you would assume the NFC East is going to cannibalize themselves at some point. Washington looked plucky today. Philly's undefeated. Dallas has maybe the best defense in the league. The Giants are a upstart team that can't be taken lightly on any given week. You look at what that division is going to do to each other, and you look at how Kirk Cousins has played for the Vikings this year. I don't know. Are they contenders? Yeah, I think at this point you, you, we, we have to accept the fact that they, they are. Has it been pretty? No. But Kirk Cousins, when he's needed to be great this year, has been great. And and that came to fruition again today. You know, he 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 just continues to play well in, in, in big moments. And he he's been polarizing since he's been here. I think this is a performance again, and his performance this year, honestly, <clears throat> is gonna kind of lend itself to the Kirk apologists over the years saying, See, I told you he was great. But I think even the people who did not like Kirk Cousins, who can't get down with him are starting to come around. Um, it's it's happening anecdotally. And, you know, the people that I talk to, they outside of the industry, fans of the team, saying, okay, well, wow, he's playing really well. And he is. He is. Um, it's too early to talk MVP. We won't go there. Um, Jalen Hurts, like I said, undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. His to lose at this point. Josh Allen wasn't very good today. They're 6-2 and two now in, in, in Buffalo. Um, but when you look at who has been the most important to their team, Kirk Cousins is right up there. And and he was very, very important to the Vikings today. If the Vikings want to continue to have a chance in this NFC, he's going to need to be very, very important to the team moving forward. That's um, that's my ode to Kirk Cousins. It, it doesn't happen very often, as, as people close to me can attest. Um, I've been one of his biggest critics but there's really not a lot to criticize this year. He's been great. He was great again today. Three drives when the Vikings absolutely needed to have it in the fourth quarter to overcome a 10 point deficit and win the game and improve to seven and one and take a four and a half game lead in the NFC North. It's games on everyone, but, but Kirk cousins, if, if Kevin O'Connell and he's, he's been known to do this, that you see videos of, of the Vikings social media put out after Every win this season, O'Connell gives a speech, gives a game ball. This game ball is Kirk's. Kirk's and no one else's, honestly. Kirk was great today. When we come back, we'll give a little bit more superlatives. Uh, there were other guys that stepped up, performed today. Um, it, it, you know, Kirk Cousins did not do this alone. 
he, he was definitely the catalyst, um, but there were some standouts on defense that, that helped the Vikings kind of keep their head above water uh, until Kirk Cousins stepped up. Special teams played well as they continue to do under the tutelage of, of special teams coordinator, Matt Daniels and a newcomer, TJ Hawkinson. He was really, really good in his first game. We'll, we'll get into all of that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. If you're listening now in the 27th minute of this podcast, if you've stuck around this long, you know I'm flying solo right now. Just kind of riffing about the Vikings 20-17 to win over the, over the Commanders. Riffing about how the Vikings have a four-and-a-half game lead in the NFC North. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow. Give us a rating and a review, five stars. I don't think anyone expected the Vikings to be seven and one at this point. I certainly didn't. So if you're listening and you have, you're a Vikings fan, I'm assuming you can't get enough of this team right now. Why not add another podcast to your, your repertoire, to your rotation? Um, we're on everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts. Um, if you get podcasts somewhere else, let me know and we'll, we'll try and get up on that service as well. But give us a follow. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Join us for this ride, this ride that has the Vikings at seven and one, four and a half games up on the closest competitor in, in the NFC North. All right. We, we talked about Kirk Cousins. We talked about the Vikings being situational masters. Other guys stepped up today, though. You know, Daniel Hunter, his best game of the year, two sacks got home when he really needed to, when the Vikings really needed a big play, the Neil Hunter had the biggest sack of the game on Taylor Heineke to force a punt. I've been hard on Daniel Hunter this year. I've suggested that maybe his best days are behind him. I think they still might be. I don't think he is the dominant superhuman freak that he was early in his career. But as he proved today, he's still a pretty dang good football player. Darius Smith, no sacks today. He had two pass defenses. Got his hands in the passing lanes. Opened up some lanes, some rushing lanes for his buddy, Daniel Hunter. Um, That pass rushing duo continues to come into its own. Darius Smith has been great this year. Daniel Hunter was great today. Two sacks. Like I said, huge play and a huge moment. Daniel Hunter deserves all the credit that we're giving him right now. Another player, Harrison Smith. I think everyone who watched the football game and everyone who has watched Taylor Heineke play football knew that at some point he was going to get risky with it. The Vikings were going to have a chance to make a play. or Taylor Heineke was going to be errant with the football, be a little bit irresponsible with the, the decisions he's making. It's kind of like a giveth and taketh away kind of thing with him. Some of the plays he makes are because he's willing to take these risks. But as you saw in the fourth quarter, he took a risk. Harrison Smith floated underneath the ball. Another interception for the hitman. Um, just such a good player still at, at such an old, like as, as he ages up in, you know, I call him old. I don't want him to get mad, but he is, he is like the second oldest safety in the league. Um, and he still continues to play at a high, high, high level. He was good again today. He obviously had the interception. 
but he had a couple of bat- batted balls um, when, when the Vikings really needed someone to step up, though, fitting that it was Harrison Smith and Daniel Hunter. Guys who have been here for a really long time, guys who some people think are past their prime, guys who continue to make big, big, big plays for this team like they have throughout their career. Another guy who stood out on defense, Caleb Evans. Cam Danzler went down with an injury early in the, the game. I don't think a lot of people know who a Caleb Evans is. Um, diehard Vikings fans know who a Caleb Evans is, but he was a draft pick out of Missouri this year. Yes, I am reading his bio right now. But he was a draft pick out of Missouri this year. He's a 23-year-old kid. He's 6'2", call it 200. Um, I talked to him in camp. He's someone the Vikings are really high on. Patrick Peterson has kind of taken him under his wing. Caleb Evans talked a lot about how he looked up to Patrick Peterson as a kid. Now he's getting to play in the same secondary as him. Well, when Cam Danzler went down with an injury today, Caleb Evans stepped in on that other opposite side, that corner opposite of Patrick Peterson. He had a huge pass breakup to force turnover on downs. And then he had a big TFL early in the, you know, one of the drives. He actually had two TFLs in the game. So he's a guy who the Vikings drafted because they liked his size. They liked his length on the outside. He's gotten some opportunities this year. He's been good on special teams. But when he got thrust into the spotlight today, when Cam Dantzler went down, Caleb Evans performed, and he deserves credit for that. Big game for him. Um, The last guy I want to touch on, TJ Hawkinson. Here's a stat line. Nine catches, 70 yards. Nine targets. Caught every single one of his targets. This is a guy who the Vikings traded for on Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday morning. Trade deadline Tuesday morning. Kwesi Adofa Mensa pulls the trigger on this trade. TJ Hawkinson arrives Tuesday night in the facility Wednesday morning. And crash courses in the playbook, I guess. Um, I don't even know how much of the playbook he actually knows um, or how much of this was just him reacting and playing football and using his instincts. But to, to haul in nine receptions for 70 yards after having about 36 hours to prepare, that's pretty impressive. I said it when he was traded, when the, when the Vikings made the move to trade for him, that he instantly becomes the second best pass catcher on the team. No disrespect to Adam Thielen. And, and today he was. Obviously, J.J. leads the team with seven receptions for 115 and a touchdown. A lot of that yardage comes with the 45, 47-yard reception in the fourth quarter. Right behind him, like I said, T.J. Hawkinson, nine catches, 70 yards. Thielen was good today. He had three catches for 67 yards, a couple big chunk catches early in the game, one big catch late. But as we move forward, T.J. Hawkinson is clearly going to be a big part of this offense. Kirk Cousins loves throwing over the middle. TJ Hawkinson makes a living catching passes over the middle. You saw the Vikings use him in a couple of different ways today, whether it was the the dig route, about, you know, give it seven, eight, nine yards of depth right in the middle of the field. They used him on a couple of leak screens, one which didn't work at all, the other which didn't work very well, but you can see how that could work well in the future. 
Um, they, they they ran a nice little out route to him in, in, a, in a big moment when, when the Vikings needed to, to get a first down late in the game. He's going to be a security blanket for Kirk Cousins just because of his body, his build, where he runs his routes, the depth of the field with which he, where he runs the routes. Um, but I think more than a security blanket, he's going to be a weapon for this team. And I think we saw some of that today. I think TJ Hawkins and hauling in nine receptions, like I said, and not having really any time to learn the playbook. Imagine when he does know. Imagine when he 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 is he's able to intake all of this in, in a month from now when when Kevin O'Connell can really dial it up with this guy. I think it was a great trade, thought it was a home run at the time. Um, and bravo to TJ Hawkinson for his his play today. Last one. I, I know I said TJ Hawkinson was the last one, but gotta give some love to the special teams. We love to we love to talk about Matt Daniels on this show. Um, any day you can talk about Matt Daniels, special teams coordinator is a good day. But Ryan Wright, six punts for 310 yards, um, just about over 50 yards per punt average. Um, that's air yards. Not sure what the gross was, but 61 yard long. He was good today um, when the Vikings offense was stagnating throughout the parts of the first half and early in the second half, Ryan Wright was able to flip the field, continue his outstanding year um, as, as the Vikings punter. It's the same guy that wore 67 in, in training camp. And if you've been listening to us since then, you'll remember I made fun of this guy. So there's no way he's making the team. He wears 67. They don't give 67 to a guy who's going to make the team. He's made the team. <laughs> And he's one of the better punters in the NFL. So Ryan Wright, great day, deserves the credit. Greg Joseph, too. I know they weren't long field goals. I know one was a 28-yarder. I think the other was a 23-yarder. Let me check on that. He made a 28-yarder and 25-yarder in the fourth quarter. You should make those if you're an NFL kicker. If he missed those, that's a problem. Frankly, if he misses the 28-yarder with 12 seconds to go, I think the Vikings might think about making a change. But he didn't. He made them. He's someone who has become a lightning rod, as kickers do in Minnesota. Guy's been really good this year, aside from a couple of missed extra points. He can't dial it in from from past 50 yet. Um, But I want to caution Vikings fans who want to trade or make a change at kicker. the, the grass ain't always greener. And I think Greg Joseph, he hasn't been great at times this year, but there's been flashes. Um, so it was nice to see him bounce back today. Like I said, you, you got to make those kicks regardless, but tonight he was good. Um, kick the game winner essentially as time expired. So those are the superlatives. Like I said, if I missed anyone, I'm sorry. I think everyone kind of deserves the credit today though. Kirk Cousins was outstanding. Dalvin Cook, he was okay in the rushing game, but he had made a huge catch to, to kind of give the Vikings some life to tie, help them tie the game. Receivers were were good. TJ Hawkinson at tight end was good. Defense stepped up when it needed to. Special teams was good as it always is. So complete win. Very, very impressive win from the Vikings. Like I said, not one of these wins where – while it wasn't as impressive as, say, blowing out a team, there were wins throughout this season where 
I think you were left scratching your head. Like how the heck did this happen? This one felt a lot more like things were really, really going Washington's way pretty much in every facet. And the Vikings still found a way they found a way to pull it out and they are seven and one because of it. They have a four and a half game lead in the NFC North because of it. And they're legitimate contenders because of it. They continue to win these games. I cannot, cannot, cannot wait until next Sunday. I can't wait to see the Vikings against the Buffalo Bills. I'm mad at the Buffalo Bills for losing to the Jets today. We deserved seven and one Vikings versus seven and one Bills. We'll have to settle for seven and one Vikings versus six and two Bills. It'll be the Vikings' biggest test to date. It will we'll learn a lot about this team next week. But as they've continued to prove, it's kind of hard to bet against them at this point. They're seven and one. We'll leave it there. A 20 to 17 victory over the Washington Commanders. We'll be back Tuesday to kind of break down a little bit more of what this means to get into kind of the nitty gritty of, of where the Vikings go from here. Till then, just bask in the win. You know, this we're recording right now at 4.15. This should be up by 5, 6 o'clock Central Time. Listen to it. Enjoy the win. Feel the good vibes. Vikings are going to celebrate Victory Monday. Why don't you guys celebrate Victory Monday as well? And then join us back here Tuesday. We'll, we'll be here to talk about it. That's all I got. Thanks for flying solo with me. I'm Dane Mizutani for Inside Purple and Gold. We're out. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.